add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome back to Real Health with me, Carl Henry. When I say to you the word happiness, what do you think of? Is it more money, being around friends and family, a job that you're passionate about, a holiday, a wedding, or what does it mean to you? But what is happiness and is there science behind it? This week, I'm delighted to have professor and author of How Confidence Works, Ian Robertson, joining us on the podcast to talk about one of the most important and arguably one of the most complicated emotions. Professor Robinson, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hi, Carl. Great. I'm great. Thank you. It's great to meet you in person. The last Absolute. time we chatted, I think you were in your bed, you were in your, your home, as was I. It was during COVID. We were all it was all locked virtual. down. We were all locked down, weren't we? We absolutely were. We're back in the world. And, and for some of us, we were quite happy, actually. Yeah, uh, a lot of people were happy. For a while, yeah, I found yeah. it a very content a place lot, to be. Yeah. A lot of people, including myself. We, we, If you were lucky to be in a nice place with nice people, then actually a lot of the stresses were taken away from you, you know. And people, some people, some people were much unhappier. If you were locked in a house with not a good relationship, it was terrible. But if you were in a pleasant place with people you liked, actually it could, there was some bits of COVID were very, very nice. And that naturally brings us into my first question, which is that, you know, there are different types of happiness, aren't there? Like we yeah. all have that, there was yeah. a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. We all have that kind of, I want to be happier. But actually, there are different types of happiness. Yeah, there's two main types. There's what we call hedonic happiness, which is you get your pay rise, you you buy the new car, you meet a lovely person. And then there's eudaimonic happiness, which is a, a sense of having a purpose in life. So it's a sense of knowing where you're going and feeling there's value in what you're doing. And that is a, that's a kind of more robust, less you know, less transitory kind of happiness. Okay. Um, but the hedonic's not too bad. I quite like pay rises myself. You know? Who doesn't? <laughs> I was listening to it on the way up on the news. There's some industrial yeah. action on the yeah. way, looking for more money. But so, okay, so the, so one type is very much in line with like self-acceptance almost. And we, we talked about that on the podcast before with different, uh, different psychologists. That sense of, you know, grounding of the happiness around you, maybe in terms of family yeah, space yeah. Or, or, or a life a life piece. Yeah. So there's actually what makes us happy mainly is other people, is our relationships. That's the greatest source of happiness. And the other thing is the small pleasures in life and the ability to take uh, satisfaction in the small pleasures. When you look at, um, you ask people, how happy are you? It's very different from sending them a text in the middle of the day saying, what's your happiness rating from zero to 100 at this moment? That moment-to-moment happiness ratings aren't tied to things like wealth and status the way the big life evaluation ones are. So actually, and what matters is the moment-to-moment stuff. 
it's taking pleasure in that cup of coffee and that conversation and that joke and that movie you've just watched and not uh, n not kind of constantly striving for something that's bigger or better um particularly if that's about material values material people who have who for whom their values are grounded in material things money tend to be unhappier okay so money's you know the the Bible says the you know the love of money is the the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil, but the love of money. And people who get hooked on material possessions end up more likely to be depressed and, and more unhappy. You can be very well off, but they're not central to your values, and that doesn't mean that money will make you unhappy. That that's for sure. But people who put material things at, the, at their heart, and why is that? Well. It's a bit like making drugs at the heart of your happiness. It's people who take cocaine, they get this incredible high in the short term, but then there's the, in the long term, it doesn't sustain itself. In fact, it does the opposite. Well, money has similar qualities to cocaine. If you make it as something you really value and, and, and are striving for, and it becomes kind of addictive as well. And... Um, in in a, in that kind of addictive cycle, you get what's called tolerance. That is, and sometimes people call this the hedonic treadmill, where you need more to get the same effect, and so it becomes an appetite that can't be satisfied. And there's that kind of yearning, that kind of oh, constant. Oh, I, you know, there's, there's something over the horizon. Mm -hmm. If I if I just had X, if I just did that, or if I just got there, I'd be happy. And that is a that's a hiding to nothing in terms of happiness. Whereas people who, 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 particularly people whose values are not, okay, they might be well off, but their values, their central values are not getting that money. They take satisfaction with their job, with their relationships, with their sport, with their community, with, with their hobbies, with their, just the everyday pleasures, with bird watching, I don't know, swimming in the sea. Um, the people who take pleasure in these moment-to-moment -moment, uh, um, small things of life are, are, are happier and, and, and less likely to be depressed. Um, so, so I, yeah, that's the, one, the addiction is one of the great enemies of happiness. People who become addicted to alcohol, to drugs, to money, ga compulsive gambling, for example, um, they, 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 they have higher suicide rates, you know, much higher. And, you know, that's awful kind of unhappiness. So it's the simple pleasures that simple. deliver the biggest sense of happiness Ab around us. Absolutely. And that's uh, why, um, Carl, uh, you know, loneliness is as big a health risk as smoking 15 mm -hmm. cigarettes a day. And that's why human relationships are so critical. Uh, feeling connected to other people is absolutely essential for our well-being and our happiness. And, um, you know, th th that's a challenge because it's, it's, you know, relationships are not easy. Of course. You know, there's, there's challenges to them. Uh, and is the research done into happiness and the effects of it on our bodies? Presumably there is. Huge amount, huge amount of, ha huge amount of research because um, economists, uh, there was a famous psychologist called Daniel Kahneman, um, who got the Nobel Prize in economics because economists uh, had a model of human behavior that said we were all simply trying to maximize our gain, our material gain in the world. That was, that was what drove us. And um, 
Kahneman showed that that simply wasn't true, that that um, people were not rationally driven in that w way. Some people were, but um, most people are um, get, get, get the sense of happiness does really come from small interactions, from small pleasures, from small achievements, and sometimes big achievements as well. But um, well, like you said, yeah. it's nice to drive the new car. Yeah, of course it but is. You want to be able to drive the new car, being happy in where you, being content where you are, yeah. as opposed to being miserable and think that you're going to get happy when you get the new car. Exactly, and of course, you you, you get a thrill when you're in the new car. I love new cars, by the way. Yeah, I? yeah. <laughs> but that thrill doesn't last. No. It doesn't last more than you know. More than, depending who you are, you know, get you've, dro you've driven down the road, an hour later, it's kind of gone. Yeah, 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 and that's hedonic. That's hedonic happiness, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but uh, the, the the eudaimonic is, you know, you're 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 feeling that the company you're in or the job you're doing is of value, mm -hmm. and that it's in accord with your values, and that that. That gives you. It's not. It's not the kind of a pay rise or a cocaine like or a several pints of beer kind of high, but it's a kind of slow burn. You know, satisfaction in your gut. You know, yeah, what I'm doing. This is, and that's eudaimonic happiness, and uh, a sense of purpose like being is 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 really related to relationships with other people because the the most the biggest sense of purpose comes from doing stuff for other people, feeling we're needed by other people, feeling we're useful to other people. Um, and that's why that combination of purpose and relationships, uh, these two things are the real building blocks or foundations for happiness. And does the brain want to be happy? Is it naturally wired to be happy or does it seek a bit of both? Or does it it's seek an interesting, it's an interesting question, Carl, because, um, Actually, most of us are slightly over-optimistic given statistic, grim statistical reality. And the whole gambling industry is based on this. You know, people spend, waste billions, trillions of euro because they overestimate their likelihood of winning a bet. Um, and and that's, that over-optimism, that's like over-confidence. Uh, and that's more a male thing than a female thing. <laughs> um, uh, that overconfidence, that gets us up in the morning. That makes us start businesses that mm -hmm. we wouldn't start otherwise because most businesses fail. <laughs> so if we didn't, if we, you know, we wouldn't start new businesses if it were strictly rational. So, so in that sense, yes, there is a tendency for for human beings to. Uh, to be optimistic, over optimistic. Mm -hmm. So, and and if you're optimistic, you're slightly more happy as well. Um, and, and and life then becomes a struggle between uh, optimistically predicting you can get something, and the that's called reward seeking, and fearing that you'll be punished, fearing that you'll lose or fail, and that's threat seeking. And the, the these two two systems guide the balance between these two systems of what determine our happiness in life essentially and what about minds that wander oh yeah all the time and that yeah. that's a potentially a sign of an unhappy mind or person so this yeah you're you're right and except for this there's there's deliberate mind wandering 
and not being able to concentrate. Mm -hmm. So you're deliberately, you're just sitting on your sofa and you're just letting your mind go walk about where am I going to go on holiday or I wonder if, or, you know, what's that bird doing out there? That kind of mind wandering is great. In fact, we need to do that. Mm -hmm. we, we need to not always be on task. And while our minds are wandering like that, um, parts of our brain in the middle of the brain are processing our memories and sorting out stuff. And, and we need off time like that. But the other type, the type of mind wandering you're talking about is, um, you know, you're trying to have a conversation with your partner and um, you find you've drifted off and you're thinking about something else. Or you're trying to read that book and you realize you haven't, your eyes, you just your mind has gone walkabout. So being, being unable to focus. Unable to focus yeah. and, and, and your mind wandering. And what uh, Dan Gilbert and Harvard showed that um, people who's, whose mind is wandering are almost always significantly unhappier in, in the moment than people who are focused on the task or, or on what they're doing at the moment, whether that's a conversation or cleaning the toilet. Mm. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter the, the, the nature of the task. If you're actually uh, just got your mind on what you're doing and it's not gone walkabout, um, then you, on average you tend to be happier. And that's because when we, when we let our mind go walkabout on its own as opposed to us choosing to let it go for a walk, it will tend to to gravitate towards unresolved conflict. Mm -hmm. In other words, worries, and that's negative. That you know, you, it will go to the that relationship problem you have, or that worry you have about work, or that other financial worry you have. And so, your when you, if your mind's focused on washing the dishes, for instance, your attention is not is, is there on that, and therefore it's not free to go walk about and start activating the amygdala, the the kind of emotion centers of the brain. So that's one reason why the wandering mind is an, is an unhappy mind. Uh, you know. And is that why people seek out mindful experiences? And my, my, my one that jumps out at me is, is, is cold water swimming. Yeah. That it's so cold. You are, all you can focus on is your breathing, the water, all the other thoughts go. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that's why mindfulness methods are brilliant. And if you... You know, everyone should try them out and, and find one that suits them because that's a way it's essentially learning to control your attention. And if you can control your attention, you can control your emotions. And um, swimming, cold water swimming, I, I do that. And yes, my God, you can't think of anything else. <laughs> and, and, and you come out and it's as if, you know, the feeling you have afterwards is partly biochemical in your mm -hmm. brain. Because uh, the, uh, among other things, there are endorphins released in response to the pain, yeah. but also the noradrenaline in your brain uh, you know, shoots up when you're in cold water. And noradrenaline, that kind of activity in the brain is like a reset button mm -hmm. and it switches your brain off whatever it was it was ruminating about. So you're absolutely right. It's a great example. Yeah. You, you'll never come out of the water in a bad mood. No. Ever. Because no, and you no. do you feel like you've had it you actually you can feel that reset. It's almost yeah. a physical yeah. It's almost it's almost a physical transformation as anything yeah. else because you feel yeah. that sense it, everything just feels better. It does. When you it come out. It does. And you never I, I, I say to my uh, 
son-in-law when we go when we think oh well it's, it's a grey cold day it's a, <laughs> well we go in and I say look you never regret it when after you've been in but you always regret it if you go and you don't go in and that's absolutely true you know you, because you, you're changing your brain biochemically yeah what about things that challenge our happiness and the obvious one in modern day society is social media I'm going to pick yeah. on Instagram as the yeah. platform but it could be TikTok doesn't they're all yeah. very very similar that when we scroll, we see other things that yeah. we see a lifestyle that we'd like or a body that we'd like or yeah. a car that we'd yeah, like yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or we haven't got as many likes on a photograph that we yeah. would like. You know, yeah. they're challenging our happiness all the time. And there's, you know what? There's been a huge increase across the Western world in, in unhappiness and anxiety and low mood in teenagers. Mm -hmm. And it coincides almost perfectly with the onset of Facebook and the social media. And that's possibly because it's really putting people, you've just captured it perfectly, put people into a competitive mindset, com comparing. Comparison is the death of happiness. And suddenly, you know, look, when I was, when I was a, a kind of spotty teenager, I had a small group of like-minded friends who, who we, we didn't know any girls. We, we never went out to anywhere. We played three, gambled three-card brag on a Saturday night. But we're happy enough. Mm -hmm. But had we been on Facebook had and seen that other people of our age were going to parties, that there were, you know, that was all this stuff going on that we weren't a part of, it would have made us feel like real losers. Yep. Um, it made us feel really bad. So suddenly now people are comparing themselves with the whole world. And if you have a comparative mindset... You know, where you, you're always comparing yourself in some dimension, looks, money, uh, skills, performance, whatever it is, you're, you're in a hiding to nothing in terms of happiness because there's always going to be someone in that globe out there with you know a couple of billion Facebook users. There's always going to be someone better, better looking, better, richer than you. And that's, that's why uh, social media is a real um, corrosive of happiness. And how do people handle that then? So what are, what would you say to people? And I'm sure there's lots listening in. I did it myself on the way up on the train today. It put me in a bad mood coming in. I'm rarely in a bad mood, but it did because I was on Instagram for far too long and the comparative thing and all of that. What do you say to people then? How do you how do you how do you break that cycle? How do you how do you reduce the impact on your happiness from the obvious thing is less of it? I would imagine less of it. Really rationing it and. Um, and mindfulness is a really, I mean, the, the effects in the brain of mindfulness are really powerful if you can, if you can do it, if you have the inclination to, to, to practice it. Um, but, but, but the other is to, is, is to work out who am I, what, what, I, what am I? So the, the, our self-esteem is really uh, designed to ward off our fear of our mortality. Mm -hmm. You know, people... People, people have huge egos, essentially deep down because they're terrified of death and they don't want to think about the fact that these egos are temporary. And, and one antidote to that is affirming your values. You know, I'm a, I'm a loyal friend. You know, I, I'm a really honest person. You know, I take, I'm a real professional. I take pride in my job. Um, you know what, I'm a real... I just really help my GAA club. I, I work for other people. These are these are examples of people affirming their values. Mm -hmm. And if you get people to say, "What what are my core values? What am I?" and to make write down a few sentences about that, 
and what they mean to them. You can then show in their brains, if they're then subject to some kind of threats, like comparative threats, they react much less emotionally to it. It's less of a threat to the ego. So grounding yourself in your values and affirming your values, and and out of that comes also setting goals for yourself that are mm -hmm. your goals. They're not someone else's goals. Okay, there may be that good-looking guy who, who ran the marathon in you know, two and a half hours, uh, you know, uh, but, but that's, and you can feel wanting in respect to that person. But you're, you, no, no, my goal is I want to get fit. Being healthy and fit is one of my values. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run that 5K, in, you know, in, in Phoenix Park. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to do it. That's my goal. And setting goals for yourself that are your goals, not someone else's goals, not comparing with someone else, that's a huge source of happiness mm -hmm. as well because achieving small successes actually acts as a mini antidepressant in the brain by, through its effects on the, the dopamine system. What about the business of happiness then? What do you make of that? And like manifestation, that there's careers and industries built. We've interviewed lots of people, uh, you know, on the show who have built industries around it too. It's a big market now. Yeah, and you, you, manifestation, I believe, means sort of visualizing something that will happen mm -hmm. and making it happen. And in the brain, that doesn't really work because actually. We call it fantasy, and fan fantasy doesn't work on its own, but it does work as an energizer. Mm -hmm. So you can fantasize saying, "You know, I'd love to be a, I'd love to be doing that job," but you're a mile away, you're miles away from it. But then, if you then get the kind of excitement of mm, maybe I could head for that, but then you have to, your brain has to go down saying, "Well, what are the steps towards that?" And that's where confidence comes in. Look, I think I can get my leaving cert. I think I can get that college degree. So it's the ignition. It's the ignition. It's, it's the it's getting satisfaction in mm. the in in the in in the process and the path, and it's enjoying the process, and not not being always thinking of some great wealth or or Olympic medal or or something. You know, these big goals that are so far away, they tend to pull people down rather than. Uh, get them <laughs> successful. They do work. They raise your pulse. They, they activate the emotion centers of the brain. But they only work if you then bring in saying, okay, practically, what am I going to do towards that goal? And get satisfaction from that, you know. I love when we chat. It just makes me happier. There we go. As, as oh, you'd I, expect it for an episode on well, happiness. I, I'm very much enjoying our <laughs> conversation, Carl. Yeah. Uh, you, you do have a book out. I know that. Remind yeah. us of the name of the book. It's called How Confidence Works, The Science of Self-Belief. Remember, we chatted about that before. We it's did. It's a fantastic we did. read. So and, if people want to find out more kind of content from you, they can pick up your book. I, I, are, you on, are you on Instagram yet? I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, a, I'm a dinosaur. I'm on, <laughs> on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'll have to get on Instagram. I'll, I'll follow you on LinkedIn. Yeah, how, yeah, how about that? Yeah. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. We're delighted to have Professor Ian Robertson in on today's show. You know where we are at Carl Henry PT on Instagram, realhealthandindependent.ie. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health.